Yo, dig these two commercials of yesteryear. Yeah! <laughs> Here's a message of importance to millions of people who are continually pale and washed out, weak and run down. Doctors will tell you that these conditions are often caused by a deficiency of iron, the iron you need to build healthy blood to keep your body function properly and to keep you physically fit and mentally alert. Ironized yeast tablets provide you with a simple and effective way to get the daily iron your body requires. Ironized yeast is a concentrated iron tonic combined with high-potency brewer's yeast, one of the natural sources of vitamin B1. And every daily dose of ironized yeast gives you more than your daily minimum iron requirement in a form your body can easily use and put to work. Of course, power and weakness can come from other causes, so see your doctor regularly. But medical studies show that two out of three women, particularly those between 15 and 50, and many, many men, lack sufficient iron. So if you're not getting the iron your body needs, if you feel weak, run down, and are easily upset, get new pep, vigor and color for only a few pennies a day. Start taking ironized yeast tomorrow. This is Sandy Becker saying, keep cooking with Crisco. It's all vegetable. It's digestible. Hey, all. Hello. Hello. Thanks for tuning in. I love you people. Um, listen, the holidays are here, and I'm going to be celebrating. So the next few weeks, we're going to have this awesome... It's a, it's a Charles Paris mystery. In other words, um, uh, it's a BBC radio drama, the comedy crime drama, drama with Charles Paris as the uh, as the name of the of the investigator. It's a funny drama. I I listened to it and I was like, I gotta share this because you don't hear the stuff this much like this anymore. So it's parts one and two this week, and two and and three and four will be next week. Um, it's called a reconstructed corpse. It's a Charles Paris mystery, dramatized by Jeremy Front and starring Bill Nagy. Uh, it was published in uh, March second, twenty twelve. BBC radio drama, comedy crime drama, Charles Paris. Um, the story, the gist of it: Charles Paris is once again in need of work, and to make things worse, he's been kicked out by landlord Francis after inadvertently starting a riot outside her house. Well, any job's gonna do, so he's offered work on a crime reconstruction TV show playing a missing property developer. He leaps at the chance. But a missing person case soon turns to murder when severed body parts begin to appear. Television ratings soar as the public tune in to discover every gory detail of the case. Um, it's funny. And they play really cool music in the background that they obviously got licensed for, like Zeppelin and Who. Um, so it's not like too old where it's uncool, you know? So enjoy these next two weeks. Enjoy your holidays. Please listen and share. Um, the great thing about a podcast is you can pause and come back to it. All right? Um, and Gemma and I will see you in a few weeks. Love you. Bye.
It was the last night party of a site-specific performance at a derelict abattoir in Tufnell Park. Don't you feel you've been on a real journey, Charles? The show was a piece, the venue a space, and the aim was to challenge. You get the idea. I could never go back to straight theatre after this, could you? Only if I wanted to eat again. I only get really excited when I'm being stretched. Really? Frances, my semi-detached wife, was staying with our daughter, Juliet, so I was footloose and house-sitting. I feel like doing something impetuous tonight. And I was being flirted at by Zoe, an actress fueled on supermarket basics champagne. Well, I've never been that fussy about wine. Or actresses, for that matter. If you're up for it, I've got some happy dust. Ooh. No, I'm good, thanks. I had a friend drop to Rennie in 72 and never came back. On the other hand, he never got heartburn. <laughs> Do you ever put that phone down? I'm tweeting that I'm going to miss you. You just told me. I want all my followers to know what an amazing actor you are. What a funny, sexy man. While you're at it, add available for work and open to offers. I could make you an offer. <laughs> You'll poke me, won't you? Well, can't we start with flowers and a romantic dinner? You're on Facebook. Me? Never off it. I like to scream all my private conversations in public. Sorry, guys. The man wants to look up, so it looks like the party's over. Oh, too early. Oh, well, the best planned lays. Put yourself in my hands. I'll be very gentle. Everyone back to mine. OK, it wasn't strictly speaking mine. But while the cat's away, what harm in having a few friends around? Why are all these people outside my house? No, I think it might be my fault. I kind of tweeted there was a party. Oh, great, Francis is going to kill me. Francis? Oi, can you mind the ornamental... Uh, that's it, I'm dead. Look, Zoe, I'm not sure this is a good idea. Maybe we could reschedule. Oh? No, well... It's okay, officer. Please get back, sir. Yeah, I live here. I won't tell you again. Clear the area. Well, hey, be cool. They're only kids. Oh, someone get the old hippie out of here. They aren't doing any harm apart from the ornamental planter. Right, you're on a warning. There's no need to get heavy. Ah! Oh, the sun hit me with a baton. We're being kettled. Leave us alone, you fascists. Oh, oh, grab the ringleader. Get off me, you pigs. Come on. Get off. Better search you, I reckon he's dealing. Well, this is a first, bailing you out of a police cell. Actually, I was arrested in Grosvenor Square in 68. I was right Save next. the battle stories. I've had a long drive back to London. Let's just get out of this place. Sure. What do you mean, go? Go where? Anywhere that's not here. I haven't got anywhere that's not here. You should have thought of that when you were organising a rave in my house. It was outside your house, and it was just supposed to be a few friends after the show, but there was this actress... There always is. No. I've been counting the days to your male menopause. Don't knock the mojo, baby. Every time I leave you alone... The police overreacted. Talk about cracking a nut with a sledgehammer. There were 200 people in my front I garden. I know you're upset about the planter, but I promise I'll get straight down the garden centre and it's I'll get you another... It's not about the planter. The planter is symbolic of a deeper underlying problem in what I laughingly call our relationship. It, it's not a symbol, it's a planter. Shut up about the planter! I'm just saying... Shush! What? Shush! Shush! Shut up! Don't say anything! No more words! Stop talking! OK. The time for talking is over. The time for leaving has arrived. I... 
I can see you need some time to yourself. You have no idea. I'll give you some space. Just go to your room, pack a bag and leave. Yeah. So I did. The trouble was, where to go? Well, I said goodbye to Rosie this morning. I'm going to miss her bloodshot alcoholic eyes. She wore her Sunday hat so she'd impress me. I'm going to carry her memory till the day I die. Sanctuary. I don't do charity on the door. I give privately. I bet you bloody don't. Verbal abuse will get you nowhere. You've made a career out of it. I've got the police on speed dial. It's me, Morris. Who is this? M- me, Charles. Paris. Charles Paris. Oh. Can I come up? <laughs> Nice place. I never give my address to clients. Very minimal chic. Did Pixie tell you where I live? No. Then how did you find me? I followed the money. (laughs) Are they monogrammed slippers? What do you want, Charles? (laughs) A job would be nice. Come to the office tomorrow. I may not be alive tomorrow. Don't make promises you're not prepared to keep. Do you mind if I sit down? How much have you drunk? A moderate amount for a man whose wife's just kicked him out. Oh. It'll all blow over in a day or two. Good. But until it does... Oh, yes. Oh. Oh, Oh, no. It'll just be a night. Uh, No, no, Charles. Two at the most. No. Whatever happens to the milk of human kindness? It turns sour. Oh, come on, Morris. You know, I wouldn't ask unless I was desperate. No, no, no. This goes completely against the professional code of the agent-client relationship. (laughs) What code? They're a protocol. I'm not applying to MI5. (laughs) Like they really need a gossip with a drink problem. It worked for Guy Burgess. I'm not at all happy about you invading my inner sanctum. (laughs) Hello. Julian and Sandy are in the house. (laughs) Come on, Morris. I'll pay. With what? That'll be an added incentive for you to find me a job. Every atom of my being is screaming, don't do it. Is that a yes? No smoking, no boozing, and definitely no women. Chance would be a fine thing. Be warned, Charles. There is a very short best buy on this arrangement, and the clock is ticking. Breakfast's ready, honey. What's that smell? I thought I'd do us both a full English. I normally have a coffee and run. Well, I'm not letting you out without something hot inside you. Yeah, we can drop the Joe Orton Landlady Act. But as you've gone to the bother, pass the toast. Yeah. Yeah, sleep all right? Well, it was a bit difficult getting off with all those signed photos staring down at me with their A-list teeth. I couldn't help noticing my picture was conspicuous by its absence. Oh, why would I want a portrait when I've got the real thing snoring and scratching in my spare room? And a very nice room it is, too. I didn't know you could get suede wallpaper. Oh, where did you get the bacon? It was in the fridge. No, it wasn't. Wrapped in a fancy little bag. What bag? It's in the bin. If you want a tip from the cold face of the economic downturn, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the value stuff. God, you grilled my Iberico ham. Do you prefer it fried? It costs £260 a kilo. I thought there wasn't much. I feel ill. I feel physically sick. Oh, well, if you don't want to. I'm going to the office. 
Don't even think about mulling my 62, Margot. Will you be home for dinner? Uh, Don't I get a kiss? As a first step towards redeeming myself with Francis, I bought a replacement planter and took it round, but she was out. Luckily, I still had my key, so I left it in the hall, then stopped off at the Drum and Monkey for a drink or three. Hi, Morris. Where are you? Uh, the, the British Library. I shouldn't really have my phone on. Don't lie, Charles. I can smell the booze from here. Uh, listen, I'm sorry about this morning. No, let's not go there. I've already maxed out my blood pressure monitor. So, will you be home for dinner? Never mind that. I've got you a job. You have? Well, uh, casting. Oh. Uh, still, you were very quick. I'll have to move in with you more often. Well, the sooner you're solvent, the sooner you'll go. It's only one day's work, but it's telly money. Better still. The meeting's just a formality. I owe you one. You owe me several. What's the job? A uh, kind of police drama. Kind of? Sort of procedural show? Sort of? What's it called? Based on real-life crimes, Citizen's Arrest was an unholy mixture of grand guignol and showbiz glitz, what TV execs call infotainment. Charles Paris for Rob Garston. I'll call up. The show was a 21st century take on Victorian melodrama mixed with penny dreadful oh, gore. Mr Paris in reception. Paris. Sorry? As in France. Your name's France? Paris. Charles, never mind. The series was designed to frighten the living daylights out of the law-abiding public just before they turned in for the night. Take a seat, Mr Parrish. Rob Garston was its main presenter, executive producer and owner of the production company. He was assisted by a detective inspector with supermodel looks and between them they set out to catch the bad guys and boost the ratings. Ah. Francis, hi. Did you find the planter? You could say that. You sound awful. I'm just leaving the physiotherapist. I've warned you about overexerting at the gym. I wasn't at the gym. I tripped over a terracotta planter someone left in the middle of the hall. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't think. No change there, then. But after 30 years, I should be used to... Mr. Parrish. Paris. Sorry, Francis. I'm at a TV casting and they're calling me. Patrick Moore looking for a stunt double? This could be a career low even for me, but if I get it, I'd love to take you out for a really nice meal and maybe... Oh! Oh, My ankle's puffed up like a balloon. I've got to go. Francis? Oh, damn. Look straight down the lens, please, Mr. Parrish. Paris? Oh. Says Parrish here. Yeah, it says Paris in my passport. Another bloody temp on reception. Split the difference and call me Charles. And you are? Oh, Angie. Hi. Don't suppose you've got any ibuprofen? Sorry? I feel like my head's exploding. Oh, migraine. Can't think why I get them. What the hell do I pay you for if you can't even run my diary? Don't interrupt. Phone me back when it's sorted. And if it's not sorted, don't bother, because you're fired. (sighs) Who's this? Charles Paris. The lookalike. All right, Charles. Rob Garston. Hi. You haven't started without me? No. Good. Right, let's get on with it. Garston was one of those control freaks who can't delegate. Right, Charles. Look straight down the lens. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now turn to the right. Oh. Look, I'm assuming as you're ringing, it's good news. <sighs> Thanks a lot, Charles. We'll be in touch. And I was back out in the street. I'll be in touch, translating as you'll never hear from us again. So I bought a bottle of scotch and headed back to Morris's to console myself. Hey, 
little girl, comb your hair, fix your makeup. Sooty will open the door. Don't think because there's a ring on your fingers. You need I do have neighbors, you know. Don't you want them to know I'm here? They could hardly miss it. I'm tired of being your little secret, Morris. I want to tell the world about us and shout it from the rooftop. We're not an us. We're an uncivil partnership. (laughs) Now, for God's sake, turn it down. Uh, All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Why have you never got me a musical? That little performance should have told you. Well done, by the way. You got the part. Citizen's arrest? You're kidding. <laughs> Never joke about money. Here, uh, they sent over some notes about the story and your character. Oh. Scrutinise that while I have a shower. My character was a property developer, Martin Earnshaw, who disappeared under suspicious circumstances. A casualty of the recession, he was heavily in debt to some highly unsavoury loan sharks. There'd been threats and some strong-arm stuff, but as no body had been found, Earnshaw was still just a missing person. So far, so sordid. What really caught the public imagination was Earnshaw's wife, Chloe. The combination of grief-stricken wife with glamour model looks is TV gold and tabloid heaven. As I was the husband's age, look and general demeanour, Chloe definitely fell into the category of trophy wife. Happy with your part? Well, it's not exactly Uncle Varney. Thank you, Morris. My pleasure, Charles. Thank you, Morris. I hope that stopped my 25-year-old eyelay. It's my ten-quid blend. You can pour one for me. Uh, The malt. Uh, Why are you wearing a toweling baby grow? Uh, It's chill-out loungewear. The hood I can live with, but the booties... It's all the rage on the West Coast. Western Superman. L.A. The infantilised centre of the universe. (laughs) Like you'd know. I'll bring one back for you next time. Thanks, but I think I'll grow old with my own lack of dignity. Cheers. Up yours. What do you want for dinner? I'll cook. No, no, we'll order in. Then you'd better get an early night. Citizens' arrest wants you in Brighton first thing. Now... Do you like Nepalese? Um... I've always had a soft spot for Brighton. There's something about the louche atmosphere and seedy history always makes me feel at home. You'd better go straight to makeup. Can I go via catering? If you hurry. They're still serving breakfast. Fed, made up and wearing copies of the clothes last worn by Martin Earnshaw, I was led to the location for my scene, the saloon bar of the Black Feathers. OK, Charles. If you could just take that corner seat over there, we'll get you a drink. Oh, this gig just gets better and better. Can you make it a scotch? It'll have to be Guinness. Uh, uh, The voice came out of the shadows, but as soon as she stepped in front of the lights, I recognised her from the press cuttings. Charles, this is uh, Chloe Earnshaw. Of course. Charles Paris. I'll sort out the drink. Chloe offered a slim little hand, but kept hold of mine just longer than necessary while her indigo eyes scanned my features. (sighs) Sorry. They said they cast someone who looked like Martin, but uh, this is a bit weird. I mean, now I'm close to you, I can tell, but from a distance, the hair and the clothes... Well, it must be a bit disconcerting. The voice is the real giveaway. Fortunately, I don't have to speak, just sit in the corner with a couple of extras. It's all so surreal. Well, for both of us, more for you, obviously, but I've never played a living person before. 
Chloe's face twitched a flicker of a smile. The inquiry so far was for a missing person, but as the days passed, the M-word loomed ever larger. Well, let's hope this jogs someone's memory. That's why it has to be Guinness. Martin drank... drinks, wine or spirits at home, but never in pubs. Here you go, Charles. Now, if you could get in position. Right. While the crew faffed around, I was aware of Chloe lurking in the background. In the photos, she looked self-possessed, but in the flesh, there was a fragile air of vulnerability that made me come on all paternal. No wonder the men out there in TV land were loving her. Anything from the trolley, sir? I don't suppose you've got any scotch? The bar's not open, sir. Oh. Tea? Coffee? Coffee, please. Two fifty, I don't want shares in the plantation. It better be good stuff. See. Hello, Charles. How's the ankle? A lot better, thanks. Good. I was worried. Really? Of course, really. You're everything to me. Bloody lid. I'm on a train and I've just invested my life savings in a coffee, but the trolley guy's arc welded the lid on. Been somewhere nice? Uh, Brighton. Lovely. Made me think of you. The air of faded grandeur. Actually, it was a dirty weekend we had at the Grand. When could we afford the Grand? After I did the TV ad for British Beef. British Beef Weekend. The British Beef Weekend. Coming back to you now? A vague memory, mainly of the room. I think we left it once for a walk on the front. Gotta be 35 years ago. It can't be. It is, because that's where we conceived Juliet. Really? Happy days. We hadn't been married long. Where do the years go? Most of yours down the drum and monkey. I'm sorry. Hey, we should celebrate. And I'm still annoyed with you. Come on, Francis. 35 years, that's a landmark. It's probably our paperclip anniversary. Actually, it's coral. Oh, well, we ought to mark the occasion. By me letting you move back in? I hadn't thought of that. No. Obviously, I can't stay with Morris forever, but... Morris? Yeah. You're staying with Morris? Temporarily. Oh, this is good. No, Francis, it is not good. Oh, it really, really is. I can't wait to tell Juliet. It's not funny. He's put a smile on my face. Has he got a spare room or are you on the sofa? No, uh, don't tell me. I want to imagine you both in bed together like Morgan and Wise. Uh, yeah, okay, you've had your fun. The fun's only just beginning. Please, let me come home. We'll always have Brighton. Now. I've got to phone Juliet. You've got to get back to Morris. He'll be worried sick. Uh, what's wrong with this damned lid? Oh! Ah! Oh, God! It's scalding. I, I, I'm going to need plastic surgery. I'd seen a few TV green rooms in my time. Can I have one more red, please? The green room for citizens' arrest reminded me of student parties. What's the red like? Terrible. And such small glasses. Hmm. I'll stick to lager. Wise choice. Although casually dressed, my drinking companion didn't have the air of on-trend funkiness that said media. You on the production team? No. Oh, I work with Samantha Noakes. Ah. D.I. Noakes was Rob Garston's on-screen partner in TV crime prevention, a senior policewoman with a face the camera loved and a body lusted after by men of a certain age all over the UK. I'm Charles. Greg. 
You part of this circus? Sort of. I'm an actor. They booked me because I look like that missing businessman. Martin Earnshaw, I thought you looked familiar. Was I well cast? Yeah, not at all bad as it goes. Have you just come to watch? My boss thought it might be useful for me to see how they do these things. That's him, over there. Ah. Greg raised a cynical eyebrow and nodded across at a heavy-set man in high-ranking uniform, taking up most of a corner sofa and monopolising a platter of sandwiches. Superintendent Sawsby. He's overseeing the Earnshaw case. So he's Mr Big Round here? Yes, in every respect. <laughs> Is it just me, or do you find all this a bit weird? How do you mean? The mix of real-life crime and showbiz. It's not exactly a cosy night in front of the telly. And a studio audience, no offence, but who queues up in the rainy night to watch Rob Garston and a bunch of policemen try to solve crime? It's a popular show and it gets huge ratings. So did public hangings. Are you taking part tonight? Oh, I've done my bit. Like you, I'm here out of professional interest. Mm. In truth, I'd wangled a backstage pass from Angie, partly for the free bar, partly to get away from Morris. D.S. Greg Marchmont was now staring at a 64-inch monitor which dominated the room. D.I. Noakes had finished a piece to camera and Garston was now introducing the third member of the show's team, an ex-copper turned private investigator called... Ed Faraday. Talk about landing on your feet, jammy bastard. Faraday's role in the show was to challenge the police at their own game and beat them to a result. He was the smart-ass baddie on the team. <laughs> Private investigator. I wouldn't trust him to sit the right way on the lab. No, no, Greg. We can't go dissing officers even if they were worse than bloody useless. Uh, sorry, sir. You're the Earnshaw look-alike. Uh, a bit of a limited field professionally, looking like one businessman. I am an actor the rest of the time. Of course you are. How's that, then? Keeps you busy, does it? Or is it mostly resting and waiting? I get by. Good for you. Sorry. Will you excuse me? So, what would I have seen you in, apart from pretending to be Martin Earnshaw? I'd met men like this before, unlovable and usually unloved. Superintendent Sawsby was one of those insecure bullies who feel better about themselves when putting others down. In my experience, egocentric narcissists only enjoy one subject. I've always thought it must be an incredible responsibility being a senior police officer. It does take a certain type of person to handle the pressure. And he was off. Over Sawsby's shoulder, I could see my dramatic reconstruction on the monitor. Then they cut away to Sam Noakes interviewing Chloe Earnshaw. Sorry, uh, Charles, could you uh, spare a moment outside? I thought you might want to watch the last bit from the studio floor. Oh, thanks. I also thought you might want to get away from Superintendent Sawsby. I could see you losing the will to live. Okay, through here and shush. Someone out there knows what's happened to my husband. So all I can say is if you do know anything, or if tonight's programme brings back a memory, however small or insignificant, please, please phone the police incident room. Thank you. And I've just got time to remind you that all calls are anonymous and completely confidential. So remember, keep your eyes open, your wits about you, and together we can catch the baddies. Night-night. Sleep tight. While Rob Garston did his audience wind-down, I spotted my drinking buddy, D.S. Greg Marchmont, on the edge of the set, having what looked like a less-than-friendly exchange with D.I. Sam Noakes. Hello, Charles. Oh, hi. Sorry. I was miles away. I, um, I thought you handled your piece to camera very well. 
I was just pleased to get through it. Mm. I'm not very comfortable with all this attention. I felt bad thinking it, but Chloe seemed more than comfortable in the media spotlight. In fact, she positively shone in front of the camera. Well, let's hope it did some good. In the 21st century, I can't believe someone could just vanish into thin air. It's quite a scrum at the stage door, so Superintendent Sawsby's asked me to sneak you out through the underground car park. Thanks, Greg. Well, bye, Charles. I don't suppose we'll meet again. Oh, uh, no. I've filmed my bit, so I'm, I'm finished. I, I hope things work out for the best. I'm not the world's most cynical man, but I know what I am. I'm a man, I'm a man, so Lola. Hello, Willie, Lola. Hello, Willie. Do you need the loo? No, I do not. Well, I'll be out in a sec. Charles, we need to talk. Uh, don't tell me we're having that conversation. Are you discarding me like an unwanted toy? How could you, Morris, after everything we've been through? Would you mind... What? Your bathrobe. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. Actually, it's your bathrobe. Mine? Yeah. Right. That's going to make this a lot easier. What? A couple of days ago, I said a couple of days. So I really think it's time you moved on. I couldn't agree more, and I'm on the verge of moving back in with Frances. She know this. I just need to work on her a bit more. No, Charles, I'm sorry. But I can't wait for you and Francis to patch things up. I understand. Good. But I'm out of work again, so as soon as you get me a job... Don't use moral blackmail on me. We're in a recession, Morris. No one's going to rent a room to an out-of-work actor, so unless you expect me to sleep in a cardboard box... What I expect is for you not to be here when I get home this evening. Is that clear? <sighs> clear as your Waterford crystal whiskey tumblers. Good. Now, I'm going to work. And I'd be grateful if you put my dressing gown in the wash. It's funny how sometimes in life, as one door closes, another door opens. Paris, the pariah, speaking. Charles? Uh, uh, yeah? It's Angie from Citizen's Arrest. Ah. Listen, uh, there's been a development in the Earnshaw case. In principle, do you think you'd be available next weekend for some more filming? Well, you'd better check with my agent. Do you think it's a problem? I'll tell him to block out the weekend for you. That'll be great. Rob wants this to be our lead story now, so we'll need you back in Brighton for at least a couple of days. Oh. I'll book you in at the Pavilion Hotel. Any chance of a double room with a view of the sea? I'll see what I can do. Can I ask what's happened? I shouldn't really tell you. But in strictest confidence, the police have dug up some body parts... Oh. Looks like our missing person is now a murder inquiry. Of course, I felt sorry for poor Chloe Earnshaw. But I had a semi-functional marriage to save. Hi, Charles. I've been thinking about our 35th anniversary. How do you fancy a couple of days in Brighton? In episode one of A Reconstructed Corpse, Charles was played by Bill Nye, Francis by Suzanne Burden and Morris by John Glover. Angie was Alex Rivers, Rob Garston, Adam Billington, Chloe Earnshaw, Francine Chamberlain, Greg Marchmont, Carl Prekop, Superintendent Sorsby, Gerard McDermott, Zoe, Jane Whittenshaw and the police constable, Ricky Lawton. A Reconstructed Corpse was written by Jeremy Front and based on the novel by Simon Brett. The director was Sally Avons. 
I hate benefiting from a tragedy, but the discovery of Martin Earnshaw's arms and the distinct absence of Earnshaw turned my one night on citizen's arrest into the TV gig that kept on giving. Mr. Paris. Yeah, here we go. One double room with Seaview. A missing persons case was now a murder inquiry, so the infotainment crime show had rebooked me to impersonate the deceased property developer. Room 302. Would you like a paper in the morning? On the upside, I was getting an all-expenses-paid weekend in Brighton. Oh, um, if my wife tries to get hold of me and my phone's off, could you take a message? It's our 35th anniversary, so I don't want to mess up. 35 years! That's quite an achievement. Uh, it would have been if we'd actually managed to live under the same roof all that time. A recent spat forced me to spend a few nights in my agent's anally minimal Pieda showbiz, so before I left London, I deployed some weapons-grade schmoozing on Francis. Every day I get in the queue, ooh, the magic bus, get on the bus, it takes me... Of course she made me grovel, but caved in when I offered her a free weekend in Brighton to celebrate three and a half decades of divorce avoidance. Oh. Uh. Is that cadavers or us? I'm looking for a corpse alike. <laughs> Hang on a minute, I think I've just split my sides. Is there a BAFTA category for best impersonator of a dismembered businessman? You're very chipper today. Oh, that's what happens when I wake up and you're not in my flat. Beats antidepressants any day. Glad to be of assistance. Is that the only reason you phoned? I thought you'd like to know. I've got your fee up. Really? How'd you manage that? Death sells. Playing a missing person, you were below the title. Now Earnshaw's a goner, you're the lead, Kerching. There's a real darkness to you. Thank you, Charles. And this raise will cover your 15% plus VAT. I do my best for you, but I can't work miracles, not with your profile. A bad workman blames his tools. Yeah, the tool, in this case, being you. <laughs> if you don't like it, negotiate your own deals. Where would I be without your fancy letterhead? I'm not just a logo. I've always thought of you as a bit of a font. MSA is built on my reputation, my Contact. Your postcode and the pretty posh girl on reception. Uh, they all cost money. You really do live the life of Ryan. I live a lot better than him when I've worked for it. You mean I've worked for it? Oh, this mean-spirited culture of envy is peculiarly British. Ah, there's someone at the door. Just as well, before one of us says something we'll regret. Je ne regret sod all. Oh. Oh, sorry if I interrupted. Just a cosy chat with a bloodletting parasite. Angie was the harassed production assistant on Citizen's Arrest. She must have done something truly wicked in a previous life to find herself working for Rob Garston, the show's pit bull presenter. Oh, you could stage the Olympics in here. Well, it's not that big. Suppose we've got to look after the star of the show. <laughs> Surely Rob's the only star of this show. <laughs> Don't let Samantha Noakes hear you say that. But for now, you're at the centre of our big story, and Rob's got high hopes for this as a runner. I wonder how Chloe feels about turning her husband's death into a soap. She just wants justice. Call me a cynic, but so far, the aggrieved widow hadn't exactly struck me as publicity-averse. We've, um, set up production office on the first floor. When you've settled in, can you pop down? After years touring, settling in took all of three minutes. Pants in one drawer, T-shirts in another, second-best jeans in the heated trouser press. Well... Francis was coming. I had to make an effort. Do I have to do everything around here? It was a simple enough request, but you seem incapable of having Hi again. Oh, that was quick. Angie! Oh, God. Uh, coming! Um, take a seat, Charles. Yeah. An email was open on Angie's laptop. It was from Ed Faraday, an ex-cop with bleached teeth and a tan unknown in the natural world. 
Garston had hired Ed to give the police a run for their money and to raise the jeopardy of the show. The email was short as a tweet. The thrust was that Ed was undercover, following promising leads, and that D.I. Samantha Noakes would have to raise a game if she was going to beat him. Uh, Charles, uh, you can go in now if you, um... Uh, are you reading my emails? Uh, no, I, I was just looking up restaurants in Brighton. Well, do you mind asking next time if you want to use my laptop? Sorry. Um, Rob's waiting. Yep. Angie, give me a double espresso. And whatever Charles wants. Uh, the same, please. What about your blood pressure? Let's save the lecture and get the coffee. Right. Had a double bypass last year and I've never felt better. More energy than I've had in years and the sex life. That's great. <laughs> Unbelievable. I look forward to my first coronary. So, this is where we make you work for your extra money. That's why I'm here. The audience feedback was very positive after the last show. You mean leads for the police? No, that too, but the viewers responded well to you. Well, I hardly did a thing. Whatever you did or didn't do, they loved it. And that was when you were just a missing person. Now you're dead. I'm expecting the figures to go through the roof. Well, if I'm dead, what do you want me to do? Don't worry. <laughs> We're not going to lock your arms off. <laughs> Actually, we are. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Seriously, we're going to reconstruct Unshaw leaving home that final morning. So you've cast a Chloe look-alike? No need. She's playing herself. But is that usual? No, that's why it's genius. What a coup. The widow of the murder victim. Stevie Dynamite. Mm. What's mmm? Isn't it a bit queeze-making? You talk like you're in a PG Woodhouse. I, I just feel uneasy blurring the line between fact and fiction. Oh, boo, that's what citizen's arrest is. It's one thing playing a dead man, but I'm a bit uncomfortable doing it opposite his actual wife. Well, get used to it, because if the murderer keeps filleting Earnshaw, this case is going to be a runner. Especially if they find the legs. <laughs> bit tasteless, Charles. Sorry. If overstep the mark. Ow! <laughs> Overstep! You get it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't needed till an evening shoot at Earnshaw's house, so it was a toss-up between a healthy walk on the prom or the hotel's rooftop bar. One double scotch. Shall I put it on your bill? As the doctor said to the duck. Sorry? <laughs> it's just a... Room 302. Ah. Hello, gorgeous. What are you wearing? A frown. Hello. I've always had a thing about stern schoolmistresses. Take a shower. Is that an offer? It's an order from the head of year, and she's a strict disciplinarian. Oh, you really need to get down here. Where are you? Uh, Juliet. What the hell are you doing there? An emergency child care. Where's Super Dad? Miles had a meeting in town about his book. His what? Since his downshift, he's been writing a book. An, a novel? Non-fiction, I think. I thought you'd be on the train by now. I've been checking out restaurants and everything. I've even brought my... Terry Thomas silk dressing gown. It's polyester. I can still seduce in man-made fabrics. Just watch out for static and don't smoke unless you want to go up like Noel Coward on bonfire night. So when will you get here? I'll try to make it by lunchtime tomorrow. Anyway, you're supposed to be working. Don't remind me. Tonight I've got to play a dead man opposite his real-life widow. Her photos and all the red tops. Yeah, there's nothing journos like more than a murder case attached to a hot-looking woman. Must be hell for you. Chloe's morning and not my time. She's got a pulse and a backbone. There's only one woman for me. You must introduce us. You are the sunshine of my life. That's why you never stuck around. I'll make amends when you get down here. In the meantime, try not to empty the minibar. Uh, 
Who needs a mini bar when there's a maxi bar? Stick another double in there when you've got a minute. I'll get that. And a pint of lager for me. Oh, that's very kind of you. D.S. Marchmont and I took our drinks out onto the terrace. We'd first met in the citizen's arrest green room, and there was a shabbiness about him which said damaged goods. Well, takes one to know. I've often thought I could live in Brighton. Apart from the seagulls, I reckon they'd drive me around the bend squawking from dawn till dusk. Herring gulls. Sorry? These ones are herring gulls. Are they? Hmm. You see the yellow bill with the red dot? Yeah. And that. <laughs> yeah, that's a herring gull, that is. Yeah, now I know. Mm. So, this is what my officers get up to on the back's turn. Marchmont tried to make himself invisible as Superintendent Sawsby's bulk hoved into view. Just yanking your chain, Greg. Stay where you are, don't get up. No, actually, I've got a... I'm supposed to be checking in with... See you, Charles. Do you mind if I join you? The plastic chair was already buckling under his considerable weight before I could say whether I minded or not. He's all right, that one. Is he? Yeah, come up the hard way. Unlike some, a lot of the young ones come in as graduates. Don't get me wrong, I'm all for education. But a 2-1 in social studies does not a good copper make. Cheers. Cheers. Because I'm old school. Practically a dinosaur. Which is why I'm not on the telly. No, no, my... Sawsby was alluding to the show's co-presenter, D.I. Samantha Noakes. The camera loved her. To love Sawsby, the camera would have to be desperate, drunk and spiked with rehypnol. The most important thing is getting the right result. I can't say anything at this stage, but we'll get him. You know it's a him. No, I'd put money on it. And that's without psychological profiling. He's pitting himself against the police. Odds on, there'll be another discovery any day now. More body parts? What we've got here is an exhibitionist loving the publicity. And determined to eke it out as long as possible. Funnily enough, that's what Garston's hoping. Well, of course. They're both showmen. They're after the same thing in their own peculiar ways. Citizens' arrest and the murderer were locked in a symbiotic relationship, each reliant on more gruesome discoveries for publicity. And I was in the middle, playing a dead man opposite his actual wife. I was hoping we wouldn't meet again. Uh, Sorry, that came out wrong. No, no, I know, I know what you mean. Listen, this will sound pretty inept, but I'm really sorry about... Thanks, Charles. I better not let my makeup run before our big scene together. You're a pro, but I've got to get it right for Martin. A perfect tear welled in the corner of a perfect eye. Almost too perfect. But tragedy is indiscriminate, and it wasn't Chloe's fault she was photogenic. Can I ask, do you think this dress is too, you know, revealing? Well... I mean, it's the one I was wearing that day. Do you think it might be distracting? Chloe's newfound fans would be more than happy to be distracted, and she knew the effect that clingy fabric would have to the nearest millimetre. If that's the dress you wore, you'd better stick with it. Have they told you what they want us to do? Only that I'm to say goodbye to you just like I did to Marty. I walked him out to the porch, he said he'd see me later, then he gave me a kiss and left. <clears throat> kiss Chloe Earnshaw on primetime TV. I could already hear Morris trying to get the fee up again. I think you're bearing up amazingly well. Well, I've got to stay strong for the charity work and everything. Charity work? I set up the Martin Earnshaw Support Group for oh. the partners of murder victims. 
Well, I can't say I'm comfortable with all the media attention, but... Well, when life deals you a blow, you either cave in or turn it into something positive. Yeah, well, that's very admirable. Oh, I don't know. But you've got to find an inner strength. Oh, hello, you two. I think we're just about ready for you. Chloe was certainly turning a tragedy into a positive, and a whole new career was opening up for her. And cuts. Yeah. Thank you very much, everyone. That's a wrap for tonight. With my romantic dinner with Francis on hold, I went in search of a fine dining experience. Do you want a sachet of mustard with your mutton cobbler? Push the boat out, make it two. It's quiz night, it's night, if you fancy it. Okay. I didn't, and was just tucking in when Greg Marchmont appeared at my side. Hello again. Mm. Do you mind if I, uh... No. Take a bonquette. Not with your boss tonight. No, he's at a Masonic Lodge. Oh. I haven't got the legs to be a Freemason. <laughs> How do you mean? Uh, never mind. Mm. So, Sawsby's pretty confident you're going to catch Earnshaw's murderer. We will. Not that it'll have anything to do with him. Of course, Ed Faraday might get there first. Ed Faraday is a joke. Why did he leave the force? Let's say there were rumours. There are always rumours. You should hang around a theatre sometime. <laughs> Ed would fit in nicely. Right little actor he is. That's why he loves all that deep cover stuff. Give him a character and a costume, he's like a pig in muck. So you think the gamekeeper turned poacher? As it happens, I don't, but others did. Sawsby. I never liked Faraday. He's a cocky, two-timing little git, but that doesn't make him a bent copper. Evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Bunch of Grapes quiz evening. Oh, God. Should get out of here. Yeah. Right, if you want to put your teeth... Back at the hotel, we set to on my minibar. I said it takes one to know one. Uh, there's... There's only vodka left. And Maltesers. And vodka Maltesers it is. All right. The thing about Ed Faraday is a sociable time. He likes to party. Well, that's no crime. Mm. Ah, depends on who you're partying with. He was no. mixing with some real rogues. Anyway, someone snitched and there was enough dirt stuck to him to make his job untenable. Did Sawsby fire him? With relish on the side. Mm. Ed got the last laugh, gets himself on the telly, now he's crying all the way at the bank. I get the feeling you're not Sawsby's biggest fan. Who let Sherlock in? Maybe you should jump ship like like Ed. No, I'm not cut out for the private sector. I haven't got the killer instinct. No, I'm stuck with Sawsby, even if it is like sucking lemon juice off a nettle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With my child maintenance, I have to grin and bear it. You've got kids. Mm, a lot. Wife, kids, plasma tellies, round sound, mm. and I blew it all for a roll in the hay with a colleague. Please don't tell me it was Sawsby. That's not even funny. Mm. No, Miss Samantha Noakes. Oh. The 50% of the Citizens' Arrest audience not fantasising about Chloe Earnshaw were having impure thoughts about Rob Garston's co-host. Like a mug, I walked out on my family and surprise, surprise, Sam goes and dumps me for someone else. Oh, just another notch on the bedpost. This guy definitely wasn't cut out for a life of debauchery. And that's when everything fell apart. My entire life went belly up. Overnight, I'm living in a one-bed flat, drinking too much, eating crap food. So far, it was all sounding horribly familiar. And then it started affecting my work. I got sloppy and negligent until I got formal discipline. I'm damn lucky they didn't boot me out. 
And now I'm hemorrhaging money and Salisbury's really got me right where he wants me. But I tell you, one way or another, I'll make it up to her. Noakes. My wife. Ah. Oh. Any more vodka? Uh, the mini bar's bare. Bloody Ed. Bloody Faraday. What's he got to do with him? He's the one Sam dumped me for. Oh. Come on, let's go back to mine. I've got some whiskey there. Right. I can't, I can't move. Charles? I've, I've just answered the phone with my nose. Is this the long-awaited stroke? Oh, I fell asleep on my arms and now I'm helpless on the floor. Ah, uh, was Gregor Samsa on the sauce last night? I never drink with a policeman spurned in love. In the unlikely event, I'll bear it in mind. Uh, shouldn't you be impersonating an armless corpse or is this you getting into character? Tasteless. Uh, from a man wearing last night's pants and vest? Have you got some new voyeuristic app on your phone? Mm, I don't need Skype to picture the scene. I had you dozing in my spare room. Aha! Uh -huh. Aha! Pins and needles. Can we talk? Only I've had an availability check. W for me? That's what I said. What? Well, maybe your profile's on the up. It's just an in-principle at the moment. In-principle's good. W when is it? In a few weeks. It's a Radio 4 Book of the Week. Great. So I'll say yes. Of course. You don't want me to find out what it is first? Well, I assume it's not 120 days of Sodom. Uh, not before woman's hour. Then say yes. Jolly good. Another satisfied customer. Yeah, don't let it go to your head. Why don't you go and line your stomach with a nice, hot, greasy breakfast? Oh, God. But my constitution's tougher than Morris could ever know. And the catering truck's bacon butty set me up for another scene with Chloe Earnshaw. This time, we were leaving an upmarket restaurant a few days before her husband's disappearance. And... Cuts! Thanks, all. That's a wrap. Bloody hell, this is a bear pit. Oh, I've got to get out of here. Keith, back, please. This way, Mrs. Anshaw, into the car. Um, but, but what about me? But Chloe was spirited away and the crowd dispersed. Profile. I should have known better than to believe Morris. However, I did have just enough local cachet to get the hotel receptionist to book me a table at a restaurant rated by Giles Corrin. 35 years. The past 24 hours have seemed like 35 years. Are you going to be using lines like that all night? Lines are what I'm good at. Oh, I know. I've had 35 years of great lines. It's the bits in between that have been difficult. I'm sorry. You look gorgeous. <laughs> I look my age. That'll do for me. Oh, you're on fire. Wait till I slip into my Terry Thomas dressing gown. Just try not to slip a disc. Oh, am I likely to? The evening's young. Champagne, sir? Oh, uh, I didn't actually order champagne, but... It's an anniversary gift, sir. Oh, how kind. On the house. Actually, it's from another couple. Surprise! Oh. Julia! Hello, Mummy! <laughs> hi, Dad. Hi, Pop. Uh, hi, Miles. Uh, wow, I, I, don't know, I don't know what to say. How about you? Mind if we join you? Oh, don't be silly. Yeah. Uh, did, did, did you know about this, Francis? No, it's a complete Shop. surprise. Mama yeah. told me where you'd be staying, so Miles tipped the receptionist, and she told us where you were eating. Very enterprising. But it's not every day you celebrate 35 years of marriage.
marriage. Mm. Reformed city trader Miles had reinvented himself as super dad and never missed a chance of telling the world what a reconstructed man he was. A toast to family life, the only thing that really counts. Family, family life. life. <laughs> Where's Angela? Sleepover. So we're off the leash and ready to party. Great. Let's rock. Charles. Ah. We've been watching you on Citizen's Arrest. Aha. Uh -huh. Think I'm in with a chance of a BAFTA. Shocking case. Yeah. Excuse me. This is supposed to be a celebration. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's a double celebration. Is it? You're not pregnant again. No. But there is a new baby in the office. Not pregnant, but a new baby. Very cryptic. How many letters? Put it out of its misery. Well, I, I can't tell you how many letters, but I can tell you how many words. Just tell him. We're expecting a bouncing baby book. A book? Miles is now an author? Uh, really? Congratulations. Thanks, Bob. Why didn't you tell me, Francis? I don't know much about it. So is this, is this the debut State of the Nation novel? Uh, no, nothing quite that grand, but the publishers are quite... You've got a publisher? Yeah. Haven't you been listening? You said Miles had written a book. You didn't say it was being published. Well, it is. G good, great. Um, so, what's it called? It's a dad's life. One man's journey into life's biggest adventure. That's the subtitle. Yeah. Wow. Well, after what we might call my fall from grace, I was so overwhelmed by the state of fatherhood. I, I wanted to sort of share it with other men. And women. And women. Pity there wasn't a book like that when you became a father, Charles. <laughs> and the funny thing is, he didn't set out to write a bestseller, did you? God, no. Obviously, I hope there'd be a market, but I just wanted to write a book a guy like me wanted to read. I certainly wasn't expecting all this pre-publication hype. There's hype. Unbelievable. Apparently, he's touched the zeitgeist. Don't forget to wash. <laughs> Miles is going to be on midweek with Libby Purvis and the youngest round-the-world yachtswoman. We'll have to listen. But there's something else, isn't there, Miles? There is, and I'm very much hoping you'll say yes. Go on, Juicy. To coincide with the book's launch, Radio 4 are doing an abridged serialisation and Miles has put in a special request for you to do the reading. Isn't that nice, Charles? You'll do it, won't you, Dad? Of course he'll do it, won't you, Pop? Here's a little something from the chef. Now, is everyone ready to order? Saved by the amuse-bouche, the rest of the meal passed in a haze of highly overpriced alcohol till Francis and I played the age card and staggered back to my hotel. It's a dad's life! <laughs> One man's journey up his own backside, pompous. Get! He's offered you work. You don't think I'm going to do it? You've got to. I'll tell Morris to get me out of it. Charles, he's married. Oh, don't lay that easiest son-in-law trip on me. I just wanted to write a book a guy like me wanted to read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's going to be on very... Oh, don't let it get to you. If he calls me pop one more time i need a drink i wonder if they've restocked the minibar restocked it wasn't just me uh-huh no uh-huh i had a copper up here drowning his sorrows in vodka and maltese oh you know how to live what's it to be tiny scotch tiny gin tiny brandy i didn't come all this way to raid the borrower's fridge not when i've been promised the terry thomas oh company. yeah 
yeah, yeah. My polyester silk-style dressing gown. Get a load of this. Oh, I've come over all of a swoon, Mr. Yeah. Perry. <laughs> Is it the vapors? Is that all the menopause? For the full effect, I could use a curtain tie-back and fashion myself a rather fetching cravat. Forget the cravat and come over here. Yeah. <sighs> oh. <laughs> you will be gentle with me. Shut up. <sighs> Now what? Hang on. Surprise! Mum thought it'd be fun to make a weekend of it, so we've booked in. Here? Right next door. The adjoining room. Love that dressing gown, Bob. Charles, isn't that the one you nicked from the National? I was given it by a dresser who fancied me. Let's have another bottle of champagne. Miles ordered up a bottle of Krug and got reception to unlock the thin door between our rooms. A toast. Keeping it in the family. Keeping it in the family. Eventually, we all made our excuses and retired to our own rooms. Now, uh, the dressing gown. Actually, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure. It's our 35th anniversary. Yeah, I'm not in the zone. I'm in the zone. It's a thin door. I can take your mind off the door. Uh, I don't know. Oh, Ah. Still thinking about the door? Mm, what door? <laughs> uh, okay, that's it. Oh, Charles! Sorry, Francis, it's not, it's not you. I just, uh, you can blame Dr. Freud, but this is messing with my head. Where are you going? Anywhere but here. Clubbers were spilling out onto the pavement, and for some, the late night air was heavy with youthful promise. As I stopped to light up, a familiar figure stumbled out of a pub. Greg Marchmont didn't see me as he pulled his collar up and swung into a back alley. He had the look of a man who didn't want to be seen. So, instinctively, I followed. I must have looked pretty shifty myself, but there was something curious about the way he skulked along. He stopped, and I dropped back into a doorway. Staring at a lit window above a junk shop, Greg scribbled a note, then the light went out and he hurried away. I hung back till a street door opened. A shabby character stepped out of the gloom, carrying a heavy suitcase. Okay, I was drunk, but something about this tramp-like figure fired my imagination. He seemed to be limping, but was still surprisingly sprightly, and I was just wondering if he knew I was following when... Excuse me, Whoa. sir. Yes, Constable. Would you mind telling me where you're going? I'm just getting some air. Well, I've been watching you, and if you don't mind me saying, you didn't look like you... I know you. You're Martin Earnshaw. No, I'm the man pretending to be Earnshaw. Have you got any ID? No, but let me explain. All right, I'm going to call this in. What for? You've just admitted that you're impersonating the victim in a murder case. I'm an actor, not an impersonator. Well, if you had some ID. I don't have to carry ID. Calm down, sir. Despite what you might think, this is not yet a police state. Right, I'm warning you. What? W warning me what? I won't tell you again. You haven't told me anything yet. Now, unless you're going to arrest me, I'll be on my way. Ah! Ah. I had to open my big mouth. In episode two of A Reconstructed Corpse, Charles was played by Bill Nye, Francis by Suzanne Burden, and Morris by John Glover. Juliet was Tilly Gaunt, Miles, Thomas Arnold, Angie, Alex Rivers, Rob Garston, Adam Billington, Chloe Earnshaw, Francine Chamberlain, Greg Marchmont, Carl Prekop, 
Superintendent Soresby, Gerard McDermott, the police constable, Christopher Webster, and the barmaid, Victoria Innes Hardy. A Reconstructed Corpse was written by Jeremy Front and based on the novel by Simon Brett. The director was Sally Evans. Gemini will be back two Saturdays from now on the 28th and uh, we'll be bringing you the uh, podcast I did with Corey Castle bitchin peace happy Christmas Merry Christmas God bless thank you